You are now listening to the Miguel Sanchez World Podcast. First, I would like to thank you for coming by and listening to my podcast. And second, I would like to ask you if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe wherever you love listening to podcasts. And please give me five stars on Apple Podcasts specifically. That will help me and the podcast grow. So now on to the show. Of course, after our paid sponsors. Today, my special guest is the legendary entrepreneur himself, Paco. I'll explain what's going on, but Paco wanted to start out in a specific way. So let's do it, Paco. I'll tell you, they're not on yet, but let's, you want me to make sure that they're on? Yeah, they are. I want them all on. All right, all right. So what Paco is referring to is we are, today's the first show where we are working with the Metabronx team. So... I've been talking about Metabronx for a long time. Everybody who knows me knows I do this thing called Metabronx. So what Metabronx has been doing over the last three weeks is we have been working with a hundred kids, hundred participants. Let me stop calling them kids, hundred participants to get them ready for our summer program to work with us. And we have 10 different mentors, actually more now. Um, working with each student, my team is going to help me produce this show. And a lot of what in this show is going to come from their ideas. They're going to be co-producers on every show with me today. I told them we're going to have Paco on and they created this title and the title is fitting. And I, I think everybody is on now. Wait, let me make sure. Yep. I think everybody's on now. I, I'm missing the Twitter and Twitch. So can some of you guys talk to the, the, the people who are supposed to be on Twitter and Twitch to, to make sure they, they're on? And uh, let's start the show, Pac. I think we got enough of them to start. Let's go. Good morning, good morning, good morning, all. And this is a great occasion when we're starting the show in a very particular form, which is called not knowing. We're <laughs> starting the show in not knowing. We're, we're actually exploring the, the potential of the universe and the potential of just being open to to whatever emerges. So we're co-creating this moment. So I'm gonna start off by saying to you, with your permission, to just take a few minutes, maybe a minute, a minute, minute and a half, to go inside yourself. This is an opportunity that you don't get during a day. To go inside yourself, because usually we're going outside ourselves. Go inside yourselves for about a minute and a half, Close your eyes if you if you if you if you want to. You could keep your eyes open if you want to. But go inside and think about the things that you are grateful for today. And it could be like that you have two arms, you have two legs, two eyes. It could be that you are not that your immediate family is healthy. Think about all the gratefulness you have. You could be a teacher that's been teaching you. So go inside for about a minute and a half and just think about those. And usually I have a bell to ring. Today I don't have my bell, but just think of a bell ringing and then we'll ring a bell at the end. All right, so we use my hands as a bell, minute and a half. I cut it short a little bit. I thought it was long. I thought it was long. I'm like, I know Paco's minute and a half. <laughs> exactly what Miguel is saying, that a minute and a half could seem like a long time. Depending for you, for you, for the people who participated in the exercise, 
is probably one of the best moments of your entire day. Because the rest of the day is going to be and your brain, your monkey mind is going and for you participating, that's that's the foundational. So foundationally, what Miguel and I do is is based on is based a lot on the internal journey. Because whether you succeed or not in whatever you do, or what however you define success, is going to be proportionally related to how much you know yourself. And I know all of you are pretty young. And you say, I know myself. I, I know who I am. You don't, you don't know. You don't know who you are. So keep asking that question. Who am I? It'll be a lifelong uh, question. And with that, Miguel, you got the flow. All right. So if you watched my show before or you haven't, it's called the Entrepreneur Hour because my goal is to help people understand that anyone can be an entrepreneur. And I bring on innovative entrepreneurs that I know or I don't know sometimes. And today's show has been produced is being produced by the Metabronx Army, I'll call them right now. We'll come up with a better name later. But this morning was the first day where I get my mentor team that's going to be working with me for the next three weeks. And I told them what we were going to be doing today. And I said, you know what? Let's make a show at 11 o'clock. And they said, no, nah, let's do it tomorrow. I said, no, we're going to do it today. So I brought on Paco and, and I told them Paco's story. And they have questions for Paco. But I, we're going to start out by... Paco, tell these young people and anybody watching your history in entrepreneurship, and then they're going to want to know what advice would you give a young person or anybody right now trying to be an entrepreneur? But start off with your story, with your history. I'm going to take you back short for a short story. This is back to Puerto Rico, so I'm 81 and a half. I'm going to be 82 in January. Good Lord, have mercy. And I'm going to make it to 140, 150. You watch. Anyway, we're talking about 74 years ago. I was six years old in Puerto Rico. I was going to school and things were difficult. I don't want to tell you my crying story about not having food and stuff like that. I'll tell you that some other day. But it was very difficult. We're very poor. And I saw a kid selling stuff in school and he was selling, basically, there were these gummy bears, these gummies that came in, in a packet of about four or five. And in the middle, they had a little indentation. And so I saw one young fellow cut those in half and they were like, we could buy them for at that point for five cents for the packet. But if you cut them in half, you doubled them and then you sold them at a penny. That was my first business. I went back home to my mother, I said, mom, I just saw somebody selling. They buy the packet for about five cents, but then they can make 10 cents. They double their profit. And so she said, would you like to do that? I said, sure. So she bought me a packet for five cents, opened them, cut them in half, and sold them for a penny. And for a long, long time, I made oh, practically 100% profit on my business. So that's how I started. So from very early on, I knew that if you bought at X price, and you sold at X price, the difference between what you bought and what you sold it for was your profit. That's not complicated. The same thing for services, the same thing for producing a show. You gotta do the numbers. This is how much it's gonna cost me, and this is how much I can expect to, to sell it for or get money, and that the difference between the two is how much money I'm gonna make, and then you take a look at how much money you're gonna make, you say, is it worth it? Nah, I don't think so. 
But if it's big enough, yes, it's worth it, I'll do it. So that's a basic formula for being an entrepreneur is having that desire to be able to either sell a product or give a service and at the same time make a profit. So I used to say, and I still say, that doing good and doing well is not a contradiction. You can continue to change the world. You can continue to do well. You can continue to help everyone. And at the same time, there's no contradiction for you to make a lot of money. So one of the things I'm, that I tell Miguel is that you got to think about what you want to do in relationship to money. So for instance, back many years ago, I said, I want to become a millionaire. And so I took a little sign. I put them all over my room. I just wrote down $1 million, one dollar sign, one comma, zero, 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 one million dollars. I put signs all over. And it wasn't uh, too long after that, maybe two, three years, four years that I became a millionaire. And, and I believe it was my manifestation as well as the fact that I worked hard. Whatever it is that you want to become in relationship to money, you got to visualize. If you can't see it, you can't be it. If you can't see it, you cannot be it. If you cannot envision what is it you want to do, you cannot be it. So you have to envision it first. That's the first creation. The second creation is doing it. So that's pretty much it, man. That's the short end, the short version. Miguel, where are you? Hello, Miguel, you disappeared. Miguel, I think we lost Miguel. I think we lost Miguel. I'm back. Super technical difficulties. My internet just decided to disappear and it just turned back on. Let me see if I get Paco back on real quick. We're going to probably scrap this show anyway, but I don't know. Let me see if I can salvage it. So Paco, I got it back on. You want to jump back on? I jump back on. So here's a lesson, kids. Things are going to mess up. It's all good. Keep going. We decided to go live at nine, at like uh, 1040. 20 minutes later, we were online. 20 minutes later, I'm offline. But tomorrow, what, we're gonna, what I'm going to teach you guys is to be behind the scenes like this. So you could have kept the show going. So Pac, I know I, I dropped off. You told them your story. I didn't get to hear it, but I'm sure I know it. The next thing is, all right, all you guys and girl, ask a question to Paco. What is a young person that wants to be an entrepreneur? What questions could you have for Paco? Like I told you before. Can I, can I see the person doing the questioning or they cannot be seen? All right. So whoever wants to be on, I'm about to put it in the chat. So now they're going to come on screen. I know there were two kids that were going to, two participants that were willing to be on camera. So I am, I'm telling them right now to jump on. All right. I sent them the link. Anyone who's watching that wants to get on and jump and ask Paco a question, let's do it. But so Paco, why did you start the show with a meditation? I think I'm not sure if you got into that enough. Cause I know when we do meetings, you do meditation first and I'm still not good at it at all. But why do you start meetings with meditation? The, the reason there's a lot of reasons for it, but one of the main reasons is that in our days and the days to come, particularly for these young people, the competing demands on our time to be doing it is going to be huge. 
number one. Number two, it's going to come at an accelerated change. As we both know, we've been, my whole life has been about linear thinking, linear doing. Now I'm living in an era where it's exponential thinking. So for those of you who don't know the difference, linear thinking is going to take 30 steps, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 27, 28, 29, 30. You take linear steps. You take the same 30 steps, but you do them exponential. And it's one, two, four, eight, 16, 32, 64. <laughs> and by the time you get to your 30th step, you've gone around the earth two times. And that's the difference between linear thinking and exponential thinking. And meditation is an opportunity to really stop the clock. It's the only thing you've got control over. You've got control over yourself. She said, wait, 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 wait. Exponential thinking, linear thinking. You know what? I'm going to stop right now. And I'm going to close my eyes. And I'm going to go inside. And I'm going to feel my true nature, my true essence, which is quietness and solitude. And I'm going to spend one minute with myself. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. I spend... I spend at least 20 to 30 minutes every single day in the mornings with myself and then at night. And in between, I do a lot of meditation. So the reason is to center yourself, to be centered about who you are, what you are. So you begin to define yourself in a very different way. Number one, number two, meditation gives you a private victory. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? That if you give something to yourself, you yourself give you something to yourself. And it is my opinion that when you do that, you prepare yourself for the onslaught of things that are going to be hitting your mother. Don't do that. What did you do today? You didn't do your homework. Clean your room. Whatever it is that's coming to you negatively or whatever is coming to you positive. You're terrific. You're great. You're wonderful. All of those things come at you with the positive negative. And if you've centered yourself from the very beginning, early in your day, it's almost going to the gym. It's a mental gymnasium that you're going to. So that's a reason. That's All right. So, so we got Kevin here, one of our Meta Bronxers. And Kevin, do you have any questions for Paco? Kevin was one, actually, was it you, Kevin, that came up with the title for today's show? Was it you? I don't remember. I think it might have been one of my, I'm not going to take credit. It's not mine. <laughs> so Kevin, tell Paco about yourself, what's your interest and your question about entrepreneurship. Hi, Paco. My name is Kevin. I'm a high school student. I'm going to be a senior in the fall. I, I go to Riverdale Country School. What? Pepin. Kevin Pepin. Yeah. I'm Where Puerto you? Rican. You're from Puerto Rico? Yeah. Your, my, your, da your dad is Puerto Rican? My, my, dad is, my dad was born in Puerto Rico. He came over when he was like 14. And my mom was the first person in her family to be born in New York. Her entire family is also from Puerto Rico as well. And you spell, oh, yeah. and you spell, you spell your name P E P I N. Yep. Pepin, from what? Do you know what pueblo your your people are from? Naranjito is where my my, Naranjito, my Naranjito. parents grew up. Yeah. Naranjito, that's up. in the mountains. I love that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so go ahead with your story, man. Yeah, I live in Soundview, uh, in the Bronx. I go to I used to go to uh, public uh, school, PS sixty nine. 
I went to a middle school called George Jackson. It's in the Lower East Side. And that school helped me go to Riverdale, which is where I go now, Riverdale Country School. Uh, it's a private school off by 242nd. It's like way up in the Bronx off the one train. And I'm, I'm here today to, with Miguel on his, you know, media team from Meta Bronx. And I'm really, you know, happy and, and excited to be here. And my question for you is, when you came from Puerto Rico, what was like your first step? What do you think was like your first move towards becoming an entrepreneur? You little, I, I think you heard my story before, that early on in my life, I started selling gummy bears, which I cut in half for a penny a piece. And I bought them for five cents. And then I sold them for 10, 10 cents. So... That was my first experience, and I thought that was so cool to be able to buy something for for X and then sell it for double. So that was my first experience as an entrepreneur. But uh, I think the second experience as an entrepreneur was my grandmother telling me that, Miguel, can you put us in, a, in the frame where I can see Kevin? Sure. Okay, that, that's a better frame. Yeah, yeah. The second experience was that my grandmother in Puerto Rico used to say to me, Siempre juega en tu bate. Don't play in somebody else's yard. Always play in your, in, your, in your yard. And I thought that was like a control mechanism for my grandmother. But what she was telling me was, when you're playing in your home court, you always have an advantage. That was her whole issue. Yeah. And, yeah. So, and so when I graduated from college in 1964, that's before your parents were born. <laughs> this is true, yeah. Yeah. Your parents were born. I graduated from college. I, I went to. I, I graduated with a BBA, Bachelor of Business Administration, with a major in finance. And I wanted to go to Wall Street. And I wanted to work for banks. And I did start working for a bank, but I soon realized that wasn't where I was going to be happy. I wasn't happy working for other people. I wasn't happy people telling me what to do. I could follow instructions because I was always an obedient kid, and I was good in school. But I was in, I didn't feel good people bossing me around, or at least what I thought was being bossed around. So yeah. in 1968, four years after I graduated, November 4, 1968, I opened up my first business. And that was due to a lot to that first little business. And then my grandmother saying, playing in your own courtyard, I wanted to be my own boss. And I wanted to take credit for my successes. And I yeah. wanted to take credit for my failures. I wanted to take credit for everything. And I realized over the years, though, that I'll share this with you, that not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur. Because being an entrepreneur, you have to be very comfortable living in not knowing. Yep. Chaos. Being an entrepreneur means that you are out there and, as I said, you, the successes and the failures are all yours. And so you got to be able to, to realize that, you know, so what does that mean in reality? Sometimes I lost money. Sometimes I didn't have a penny. Sometimes I lost a whole business and my investment. But my mentality was, what did you learn from that? Let's do it again. And I would lose that. Let's do it again. And I kept doing it again. And then I had a successful business. And then I sold that business. And so... With failures and successes, I was comfortable in that space. I have friends yeah. of mine, I have friends of mine that are much smarter than I am. They are they are in the level of geniuses, but they can't live in that space. They rather have a salary every week. They go to work nine to five. They get a paycheck. They don't have to worry about this. They don't have to worry about employees. They don't have to. Yep. So yeah. 
So I want people not to romanticize entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is, 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 is a form. Uh, for, me, for me, it's not hard, but not everybody has that personality. I'm not sure if I answered your question, but I tried. No, I appreciate it. I definitely got to understand a little bit more about because I feel like I agree with you. A lot of people, a lot of people, especially on social media, romanticize the idea of being an entrepreneur and they make it seem really easy, but there's no really, there's no set set of steps to really become an entrepreneur. It's, it's really vague, but that just means that anybody can do it. The one thing that I do tell you is this, that not that I knew it then, but I knew it soon after that. And that it was that my going to college and graduating with a Bachelor of Business Administration and knowing about accounting, knowing about finance, and, and, and having that training. And I, I went to a, to a Irish Christian Brother College. I own a college in New Rochelle. And they were tough. They were tough. In the, the business division was a tough division. That paid off over the years that I had a background in accounting, that I could read a balance sheet, that I could read P&Ls and, 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 and new profit margins, that I knew how to do my numbers. Entrepreneurs need to be a little mathematical. Yep. And I'm not talking about algebra or calculus. Re regular eighth grade math. You really need to know that eighth grade math <laughs> to be able to add and subtract because that's how you measure. That's how you measure your success in a business. Yep. I, I used to manage by the numbers. And the numbers don't lie. So numbers don't lie. That piece, that piece is essential. The, the rest of it, of what you said, is correct. What you've got your numbers, you're taking the best shots based on your numbers, but it's still vague, as you said. It's still vague yeah. because it's a, it's a lot of intuition and a lot of um, doing by by experience. What you have experienced. So, David, what's your question? Actually, tell tell uh, David tell tell Paco about yourself, David, and then ask your question. What are you interested? So in? My name is David. Um, I'm actually interested in learning more about coding a website because I heard that Miguel had coded one and it caught my attention super fast. I want to learn like a whole bunch of different coding stuff that I can do in the future and just do things. That's, that's not that I never done and that to teach maybe. Um, uh, I do have a question and okay, not all entrepreneurs are like the best. Not saying that you are, but if you had some mistakes, how did you like, how did you avoid it while you're an entrepreneur? You're saying how would you avoid mistakes you made? Yeah. So Paco, tell them about some of the mistakes you made and how you could have avoided them. I, first of all, I don't think about avoiding mistakes. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You, you avoid mistakes. You don't want to, but the old story is if you go down the street and there's a hole and you fall into the hole, you go, shit, man, you get out, you go home. <laughs> you come down the same street the next day and shit, you fall in the damn hole again. You, get out. you say, wait, 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 there's a fuck there. You know, let me go to the next street. <laughs> let me take a different route. So, yeah, I will, I will, I will take a different route if I keep falling in the same hole. But I think of mistakes as, as I think of mistakes as as blessings, because that's where I get my best learning. When I really screw up, when I really screw up, I say, "Wow, let me see what are the lessons here. What are the lessons that I can get from here?" 
I used to have a price in my in my my business. I had about 120 people working for me, and I used to and I copied that from 3M because 3M years ago started this, and that was that. In in my teams, we used to give a monthly award for the biggest screw up. And then they, they, among themselves, they voted. They would get a plaque or they get a free pizza from somewhere. But the idea was, if you made a mistake, don't hide it because you're going to get fired. If you get a mistake, let's talk about it. Let's share it. And let's see what the lesson is. So um, everybody learns from it. So Paco, when I first met all these young whippersnappers, I told them a lot about the mistakes I made that helped me get fired, but also learn to do better in the future. Any that stick out for you that you think is a good lesson for them? I have one mistake that I made that, that you know, I have very few regrets. But getting out of college, I wanted to go to Wall Street. And I interviewed, I must have sent out, I don't know, 200 resumes. I didn't get one answer back. And I still have given up because at that point, Wall Street didn't want Jews or Puerto Ricans or Blacks at Wall Street. It was all totally blanquito, blanquito game. So we're talking 1965, 66. I get a call or I get a letter from some guys who were in Wall Street. So I went down and interviewed with them. And there were guys that almost looked like Kevin, like you and David. They were so young, they were really young. And they had just opened up a Wall Street firm. And they actually looked younger than I was. And I was probably now 19, 20, or whatever it was, 21. And, and they said, listen, we'll pay you $8,000 to come work for us. We're just starting a new thing that we just invented. It's called puts and calls. He said, no such a thing exists in Wall Street right now. He said, and I thought about it. And instead of going back to my school and asking my teachers what puts and calls were, <laughs> I, said, I said, no. No. I said no to the to the eight thousand dollars, and eight thousand dollars at that point was a great freaking salary, number one to start. But had I accepted the puts and calls, I would probably be a billionaire. Right now. <laughs> calls, can you tell her? It's the equivalent, the equivalent of somebody coming to you guys five years ago, six years ago, and said, "Listen, I'm putting out something called Bitcoin, and you can get the Bitcoin for fifty cents a dollar. You can get a Bitcoin." <laughs> you know, so six years ago somebody said that to you and you said no hell no but bitcoin is another way of going to replace currency ah bullshit you know, no but i'll sell it to you i'll tell you one bitcoin for a dollar five dollars ten dollars what what's a big what's a bitcoin today ten thousand dollars i'm actually working on a video right now because i sold bitcoin at 30 cents so you bought it I, I didn't buy but i saw it at 30 cents that's my story. All right. So we got more questions from the audience and more are coming. Meta Bronxers, every single one of you going to ask a question. All right. As a child, was there anything else you wanted to be besides an entrepreneur? If you were not put in the circumstances you were put into, would it be possible that you may have been something else, Paco? What, what do you answer that? The, the answer to that is that the answer to that is that that's probably correct. That, all of us can be many things. And we ought not to just pick one thing that we're going to do in life. I love music. I love reading. I love, I love the, the spiritual world. So I'm an ordained Zen Buddhist priest. I studied for 25 years the, under the Zen Peacemaker Order. So anybody who's interested, go to 
WZEN Peacemakers with an S.org. WWWZEN Peacemakers.org. And that's our website. And we do all kinds of things and you can read about it. So I could have been I could have been a Catholic priest probably. I, I, I think been differently. I could have been an artist. I love drawing. I love sketching. Or I probably could have been a professional athlete in some form. I played baseball for about 18 years. I wasn't that good to be in the professionals, but I probably could have been in a minor league team and played and made my money. I've loved, I love athletics. I love martial arts. Right now I'm studying Wing Chun, which is an ancient martial arts program that pretty much you don't move. It's, it's all in forms. It's how do you how do you change your opponent's mind about attacking you in an elevator where you don't have enough, you don't have a lot of room to move and kick and all of that. And so I'm learning those forms and it's fascinating. So the question is, yes, I could have been, I could have been a lot of things and I am a lot of things and you can be a lot of things besides being an entrepreneur. I'm not, and I don't define myself as an entrepreneur, by the way. Well, I don't define myself as a Zen Buddhist priest. I define myself as somebody who, who is trying to do good for others. So I guess we, we're getting more questions. We're going to get more questions. But advice for basically what I've been telling them today. Today's been our first day together as a group. I want to figure out how to help as many young people understand this opportunity of entrepreneurship, mostly because I do believe it is going to be probably the main way they can get through this world financially. I've, I've been seeing um, stories about this whole way of going to remote work. And they're basically saying what it's going to do is eliminate a lot of full-time positions because now you can be a remote worker whenever they're needed instead of being a full-time person that's stuck in one place at all times, what would you tell a young person right now that may be interested in, okay, this might be my career, an entrepreneur, gig economy type of person. What would you give advice to them? To me, myself, at their age, I was looking for a job. I don't know if that's ideal right now at that age. Do you? As I said before, some people will still need a job. Some people just don't have the capacity, the mindset, or the personality to live out there in an uncertain world. The world is very uncertain as it is, and some people need security. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And what I usually tell people again and again, and I'll repeat it again and again, is that you have to know who you are. You have to know who you are. And, um, and, and, and finding out who you are is a very complex journey, particularly nowadays, because a lot of young people are suffering from loneliness, depression, and temptations to do other things. Self-harm can come from alcohol, from drugs, from a whole bunch of stuff. So people, young people are being challenged right now to stay as much as they can in a narrow pathway to go to school, to get their degrees, to get going, whatever it is. But the, the question is, if you don't know yourself and you're going after the money for the money's sake, it's not like it's never gonna happen. It's like when baseball used to say, if you go for the fences, you're never gonna get there. You can't be swimming for the fences all the time. Get on base, 
get on base, hit a, hit a single, bunt your way in, crawl your way in, get to first base. So those kinds of advices are always helpful, but the, 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 the trend is, in my opinion, that more and more people will want to do entrepreneur, self-governing themselves and their businesses and their lives. I think more people are going to be more comfortable in doing that during, during the time that I've lived. And the result is that they're going to have to experience different kinds of things. Like me saying over and over again, know yourself, is because that doesn't mean very much to a lot of people. What do you mean know myself? So knowing yourself is a practice. So like I said, you got to do it every day. You have to have a meditation practice. You have to have a form. And, and, and I remember being very young and being the way that I am, meaning that since I was young, they used to say, Mira, tu eres desinquieto. My Lord, slow down, Jesus. Oh my God, how many questions do you have? You're driving me crazy. You've asked me 10 questions at the same time. Let me answer the first one. I was always impatient. You know, and at 82, you could feel my energy. You know, imagine when I was David's and Kevin's age, I'm, I, I admire Kevin and David sitting here. I wouldn't have been able to sit like that shit. <laughs> but I've been able to manage that energy, manage it, and it worked well for my businesses and things that I did. I, I used to go playing golf, and if I didn't come back with a deal for my business playing golf, I was not happy. So I was playing golf, but at the same time, I was thinking, how do I make yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So we got more questions, Paco. First of all, one thing I want to bring up, though, is when I first met Paco, and we started doing the meditation thing. I asked him questions like, okay, how long do you think it takes to know yourself then? We're going to do this meditation thing, but how long before I know myself? He said, Miguel, I'm 80. At, at that time, I think you were like 80. And you were like, I still don't know myself. And I probably won't know myself until the day I die, but I'm still going to do the work to know myself as much as possible. Yeah, I meditate right. know myself. But it takes, it, takes about, it takes about five years before you get to doing a regular practice every day. It could be 10 minutes, 20 minutes. The thing about the practice is it has to have consistency. And that's what the practice is, teaches you, the consistency of the practice. So doing a practice every day pretty much, 10, 15 minutes a day of meditation, it takes you about five years before you begin to really get some sense of what this is about. And in the meantime, you will run it, you will will have wanted to quit a million times. Because you go, this is stupid, man. I'm saying stupid, man. And I'm, what am I doing? I'm, thinking, I'm meditating, but I'm thinking of that girl. Man, she was so cute. How was your journey to get where you are today like? What was the journey of becoming... You're still an entrepreneur at 82, and most people are trying to retire and just watch TV all day. What is that journey from coming out of high school, college... To now, what is that? What was that like? I would say that that again, as I Kevin and I were talking about before this, life is life, and and life has all kinds of bumps in the road, and it trips you, it, it scratches you, it makes you bleed, it makes you pain, and there were a lot of happy moments in that journey. So you got to be able to realize that in the journey through life, there's going to be a lot of things that may not be seen the best things in the world, suffering. So the Buddha was asked once, what do you teach Buddha? So the Buddha was alive 2,500 years ago, 
500 years before Christ was even born. And he says, I teach suffering and I teach you how to get out of suffering. I teach suffering and I teach you how to get out of suffering. So life is suffering. It doesn't mean that it has to be painful all the time. It means that you can find a way of, of not suffering as much as you would if you didn't have the consciousness of knowing where that suffering comes from. So that suffering comes from the Buddhist point of view in getting attached. What does that mean? I know a lot of people who are millionaires, billionaires. I know a lot of people with big $5 million, $10 million homes, with a boat, with an airplane, a beautiful wife, beautiful kids, and they're miserable. And you go, shit, what do you mean they're miserable? They're miserable. They come to me and they say, Paco, I thought I, I thought this was it, man. I got everything. I got a gorgeous, I got a wonderful family. I got a house, I got a plane, I got this. But I feel like, I feel so terrible about who I am. What a, it's, so money doesn't get you the happiness and joy that all of us seek in life. So people who get attached to money and thinking that money is the thing that's going to bring them their happiness end up perhaps making a lot of money and getting a lot of money, but then miserable. So there has to be a balance. You can't got it. You could, you, I love making money. I love making money. But I also realize that it's not what brings me happiness. What brings me happiness is being able to get into this, into this body, the Paco body, at 82 and a half, and being very happy or being me. You know, not having to, I want to impress the shit out of them. <laughs> so, you know, you gotta be able to get in a place where people say, and David, you two guys from afar look like you guys could be good candidates in, in saying people who are comfortable inside their skin. People who are comfortable of who they are. And that's a lifelong journey. The trajectory of my journey is trying to learn how to do that. And that didn't come easy. Because there were times in my life when I walked into the room and I said, damn, I'm so handsome, dude. And I'm the, smart, I'm, the smartest dude. I'm the smartest dude in this room, man. I know I'm smart. You know, and you know, shit like that, really delusion, delusions. So I went through those and then you fall off that high wire where you think you're the smartest man in the room and you realize that you're not. That there are tons of people out there smarter than you are and that being, being smart is not the only thing. And having an education is not the only thing. That living life with gratitude and tremendous amount of joy and with the end in mind that you want to help others. So if Kevin goes to a, to a Riverdale country, country school, that's a, that's, a, that's a privilege. That's a privileged school. For a Puerto Rican young man from the Bronx to be there is a major blessing, you know, that he's got to figure out how to use that to benefit himself first, his family, and then how to help others. How to get more Puerto Ricans into into uh, Riverdale Country School, which is a club. Go there, it definitely looks great like a club. All right, so next question. How did you build your team, Paco? You said you got to 100 
employees? How did you build your team? I, I think that's a great question. I think that's a great question. When I started building teams, I had already had a background in a little bit of psychotherapy, even though I, I was a business major, I had a realization through doing something at that point, which called training groups, T groups, in which a lot of emphasis was put on how people were feeling and how people were, were, were viewing the world, the phenomenology of the world, their, their, their thoughts, their emotions, their actions. And so at first I used to spend a lot of time in asking my team to tell their stories. Tell me your stories. Tell me where you come from. So I don't get in a conversation with a Kevin without asking where your folks come from. And, and all of a sudden, Puerto Rico. And I don't get into that conversation without asking, oh, Puerto Ricans will ask the next question, which is, de <laughs> que pueblo? So he'll say Naranjito. And I remember that as a little boy, I used to watch the Wawa from Naranjito go through the top. And I knew it was 12 o'clock because we didn't have we didn't have clocks. So when we saw the bus up there in that mountain, we said, oh shit, the sun isn't really up in the middle. Yeah, it's, it's 12 o'clock. You you get you begin to get that kind of bonding with your team before you get to the subject at hand, before the task. If a team really knows each other and begins to develop what I call caring for each other beyond the job you'll get tremendous results. That team will work, they'll work their butt off to, to get results because they have now bonding. They know each other. They begin to know their weaknesses. They begin to help each other. It's almost like a, it's almost like a baseball team or a football team or any kind of team. The team that wins is usually not necessarily the best team, pound for pound talented, is the best team that kind of gels with each other. It works best yeah. together. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. Makes a lot of sense. That's so. Right. That's how I build teams. The next question. All right. I know Kevin and David have been asking the most questions. I'll get back to this, but I'm going to ask other people's questions. My question for Paco is what field of business did you take and how did your business grow over time? So I, I out of college, I went to work for a bank and I realized soon after that wasn't for me. November 4th, 1968, I established my first business. And not knowing what business I was going to get into since I had been doing training, I was very much involved with the civil rights movement. So I did a lot of training in the South. When King got assassinated that weekend, I, I took a plane and I went to Memphis and I flew into Memphis on the martial law to finish what he had been there for. He had been there to finish the garbage strike on Monday. And that's what I did. I went to, to Memphis on a Saturday hung out in the hotel with all the big shots. And I was just a little shot because I was just a kid. And, and then I went at the Marshall for that parade. But I did a lot of training in the South. And so the business I started was the Association of Community Trainers, INC. Associate ACT. And what I did was I, I my, my logo was a kid's blocks, like kid's block and I put ACT, that was my logo. And, and I started a training program. I started a training program for not-for-profits and, and for profits. And that was my first business after that. I continued doing training. I did what is called workforce development. So I had a company that, that did manpower training. And that's where I had a lot of employees. And I used to train people from the South Bronx for entry-level jobs. And I trained seniors, entry-level jobs. And after that, I went into real estate. 
I went to real estate. My first, I, I bought a building for a dollar from the city. I renovated. <laughs> it. I renovated. I did an eight billion dollar renovation, and ultimately, my biggest development was. I was chosen at the Puerto Rico, the only Puerto Rican, only minority, to get a, a a lot in Battery Park. So I developed a forty million dollar building in Battery Park on. Um, on Albany and West Street, if you go to Albany and West Street, that building right there is a building that LRF, LRF developers, my company developed, along with the related companies, which is now a huge company in the world. Anyway, that's how I started. That's good. We got a few more questions. I know we're going over an hour because I had the technical difficulty, but even when you, oh, so let me put it up. <clears throat> even when you were struck down and denied opportunity, why did you keep going in entrepreneurship? What motivated you to never give up? Or was there a moment where you really did consider giving up? Yeah, gi giving up is not part of my personality. It's never been. I'm like a pit bull on a bone. If I bite, I, 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 I bite that bone. Nobody does. So uh, I, I always had incredible determination. And yes, I was down and out. And yes, I did get depressed. And yes, I was at one point clinically depressed. I, yes, I did go to therapy. I, I think therapy is wonderful. Meditation cannot do it all. Mm. So Western technology, which is therapy, is good. You find a good therapist. I've been on the floor, but I never let them count me out. As soon as I hear eight, nine, I get up, no matter how. <laughs> Even if I grab, grab the, the, the referee and pull myself up. Yeah, I, I, a lot of that came from my grandmother. My grandmother was a very spiritual, a Catholic lady who went to church every day. And she believed the spirit of, of the, the power of spirit, the power of faith, the power of belief. I'm a Zen Buddhist priest, so I don't have a, I'm not monotheistic in terms of having a God or belief. I love Jesus, but not as my personal God. But I do not take away anybody's belief, nor do I want to take anybody's belief. If they believe in Jesus, in, in, in Mohammed, whatever their belief systems are, uh, if they're if the Hindus, if they follow that tradition, I bless them. I said, go do that. And some people come to me and say, you know, I want to be a Buddhist like you. Teach me. I said, no, this is not the flavor of the monk, dude. If you're a Christian, become a good Christian. If you're a Hindu, become a good Hindu. If you're a Muslim, follow your tradition. It's, it's very unusual for me to accept a student and they have to hang around for a while and I have to really feel that like Miguel Miguel kept asking me and I said, Oh my god, the people are local. We got a few questions left. How did you know what you wanted to create the business about? The the, the short answer to that is that most of the time I did not know, you know, that I had a, I had a nose for opportunity. The first building that I did was I was driving on 149th Street. And I heard this thing say, Paco! And, I'm like, Paco! and I looked up, I said, shit, the building is talking to me. <laughs> he still does talking? that, by the way. What's Sometimes you're driving and buildings talk to him. What's the rats? I need you to come and rehab me. I said, okay, dude, I'll see what I can do. I had that building in less than a month. I had that building. For, I, got, I, bought it for, I got it from the city for a dollar. And I said, now what do I do? I have no money. And someday at a, at a different time, somebody's going to ask me a question. How did I build an $8 million building with no money? That so might be a part of entrepreneurship is that. That's I, a good question. I have never. have on the show again to answer that one. <laughs> I have never allowed 
the thought of, because I, what I was taught in school was, in Iona, uh, was you have to have money to make money. And I changed the rules. I don't have no money, but I'm going to make money. So I don't need money to make money. And so my first building was approved of that. I built an $8 million building and I didn't have the money. Shit, I didn't even have the experience in development at that point. <laughs> so another question that I think is good to end on, because I know there was a lot of good ones. Maybe we'll go back in and, and answer them through the chat. But the end of the last question, at what age do you plan on retiring, Paco? Uh, somewhere around 110, 115. <laughs> uh, the rest of my life, up to 140, 160, 170, 180, I, I want to do other things. <laughs> I want to travel to Mars. I want to, I want to take a trip to Mars and see what that's like. So, That's right. Never, we're never retiring. I'm never retiring. I want, a, I want to buy a ticket now to be one of the first to go to Mars. You know. So, Greg, is there any? So, I know we're way over the hour. We had that nice technical difficulty, but any way to end this, Paco? Anyone watching? Any young person that's watching? What advice would you give them right now with this pandemic? What in technology we didn't get into is Paco is more technologically advanced than most. What do you what advice would you give a young person coming out of high school right now to get them ready for this innovation economy and to do the best they can in it? A few things. Number one, believe in yourself and work on yourself and work on your development of yourself. That's your first investment. Second investment is that um Technology is going to be a key. So David talks about coding, and I'm studying last night about an AI that not only developed its own algorithms, but it's also doing more algorithms so that it can continue to improve itself more and more. So it's almost taking it out of the hands of the first programmer. So the first programmer, the coder, and the algorithms created this thing. And originally, we had this big IBM machine that beat everybody playing chess. That machine is so old, and that technology is so old compared to what is being developed right now. Like this one machine that is going to be awesome in terms of medicine, business, banking, because it's going to continuously continue to learn. So I would say that if you have the spirit of being a, a, te a technology person, follow follow your dreams on that because that's going to be very, that's going to be key. And if you enjoy being your own boss, being in control, designing and implementing your own destiny, there's no other way to go to, to, to be an, a, a self developer, be a, a, an innovator. Be someone who wants to change the world. I think that the joy that you'll get in your lifetime for you and your future wife or partner and children is going to be immense. The only demand is that, I think Kevin said this before, and I'm going to end with this, is there's no quick, there's no Kool-Aid in here. There's no quick fixes here. There's no quick, there's no shortcuts here. There, there are no shortcuts. You've got to put in the work. You've got to put in the work and you have to put in the dedication. And that question back that, that said, you know, about me 
is that I've been I've always been consistently stubborn about what I want to do. And I've had a lot of people try to dissuade me, change me, discriminate against me because of the way I look, because I was a Puerto Rican, and because I had a mind that was interested in many things at the same time. So I was, I, when I was growing up, I was saying, you're not never going to get anywhere because you t- you're too interested in too many things. Only be interested in one thing, one thing, one thing. <laughs> and I couldn't do that. So they used to say to me, you're going to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. So I grew up in a place where you have to become a master of something. And in my mind, at the age of David and Kevin, I used to say, like being, being a master of one, that, that's limiting. You're limited to one thing. Yeah. I want to be a master of a couple of things, five things. Yeah. Why not? And yeah. they used to tell me, now, at this age, I am living now at an age where having multiple talents and skills is what's required. Not being a master of one thing. So learn as much as you can from different fields. Be interested in science, biology, chemistry, spiritual practices of the world, uh, cultures. Travel a lot. Get the hell out of the Bronx. Hundred <laughs> percent. So this is a great show. And as I teach these young entrepreneurs how to make call to actions to people, so they understand what you want from them. If you're watching this still, like the video wherever you're watching. Subscribe to the channel wherever you're watching, and definitely come back. We're gonna do this every day at eleven o'clock. We're gonna have not only David and Kevin, but others. And we're also going to interview other people like Paco and give you some advice on how to be an entrepreneur, whether you're in high school, like my friends here, or you're 82, like Paco. And thank you for watching. Even though we had some technical difficulties, we're going to fix that next time. We're going to have some meetings about it. But thank you, Paco, as always. And Paco will definitely be back. And thanks, guys. David, thank you David and Kevin, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And if you are still watching and you're on YouTube, definitely watch the video that it's um, showing you right now because this video is made. YouTube has chosen this video for you to watch and please subscribe to the channel. Thank you. Have a good day. Innovate every day. And that concludes our show. Thanks again. If you've listened to the podcast this far, hopefully that means you've enjoyed it and it has helped you in some way. So again, I would ask you if you could please subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening to it. And if you are listening to it on Apple, please give me a five-star rating. That will help tremendously with growing everything I'm trying to do. So I truly appreciate you. And I look forward to continuing to help you by creating this content. Thank you.